Hoopscast episode two, back up in your feed. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. First thing, first topic for today is leadership in basketball. What does it truly mean? Well, look, it's simple. Leadership in basketball is not just about being the best player on your team. It's much more than that. It's deeper than that. Leadership in basketball is about elevating your teammates. It's about elevating your team. It's about rising above the level of competition that you're facing. It's about pulling through through adversity and powering your teammates. You know, think, think of Magic Johnson, you know, the smile, the, the encouragement, but also being demanding. Think of Michael Jeffrey Jordan, you know, what he did with Scottie Pippen working out in the offseason and making him one of the top 50 best players of all time. You know, also consider someone like Bill Russell, a true leader, easily a top two leader of all time. You know, people like to discredit what he was able to do. But the truth of the matter is he didn't play with just eight Hall of Famers. People say, oh, Bill Russell won 11 championships because he had all those Hall of Famers. Well, no, that's not true. And if you listen to Bill Russell himself, he stated numerous times, look, I made my teammates better. I empowered them mentally, physically, and I showed them and, and I empowered them to be better basketball players. Okay, so people like Sam Jones, not Sam Jones, Bob Cousy and John Havlicek, yeah, they were good without Bill Russell. They would have been good regardless. But Sam Jones, you know, all the other players on on the on that bas on, on that bas on that Boston Celtics team. Sorry about that. You know, they wouldn't have been those Hall of Famers if it wasn't for the leadership that Bill Russell displayed. And that's why Bill Russell is one of the greatest basketball players ever because he was a true leader. You know, he displayed leadership. You know, he said many times, yo, I could have been doing all the scoring. I could have been doing all this, all that. But nah, I let my teammates do that. I worried about defense and I worried about rebounding. The way I play, we win. That's what Bill Russell said. So leadership in basketball, it's about, it's more than just being the best player, as I said. You know, and it's also about taking blame. You know, when, you, when your team loses, it's because of you as the leader. It's because you didn't do enough. You know, if you scored 40 points and y'all lost, you didn't do enough. It doesn't matter. So being a leadership in basketball is about empowering your teammates. It's about rising above the level of competition, and it's about taking ownership for when things go wrong. And that's pretty much that part. Now, moving on to the next topic for you guys today. How good will the Brooklyn Nets be when KD returns to the lineup? Now, we've heard a little bit of rumors all over NBA Twitter, you know, some, some rumblings about him returning this season, which I highly doubt. I'm almost certain it'll be next year. No real, no real sense in having him come back this year. And But when he does come back, how good will they be? Well, picture it like this. Look. You have Kyrie Irving at point guard, easily one of the most unguardable and great, easily the greatest ball handler we've ever seen in NBA history. That's who your point guard is. One of the best shot makers in the NBA, easily. Then at small forward, who you have? You have arguably the greatest scorer in NBA history in Kevin Durant. And that team is going to be explosive offensively. You're not going to be able to guard this team straight up. And then you got people like DJ, uh, DJ Chucker, DeAndre Jordan, or DJ for short at center, who is an elite shot blocker and elite rebounder in given minutes. You know what I mean? Obviously, you don't want him starting and playing the entire game because he's not an elite free throw shooter. But, you know, he can provide very valuable minutes for you. And then you have people like, you know, the coach, Kenny Atkinson. He seems like a very good coach. So these, this, this Nets team is not going to be anything to mess with. You know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are great friends off the court. So I assume that the chemistry will be fine. Um, you know, KD has said many times he's going to let Kyrie do him. You know, Kyrie Irving is a true artist of the game of basketball, and that team is going to be electrifying to watch, and I'm certainly excited for it. And that team is going to be great. I think they can easily make it to the Eastern Conference Finals when completely healthy. Now, will they ever win a championship? Will they make it to the finals? That has yet to be seen. There's no way to really tell. Uh, we got to see how everything fits. We got to see how everything plays out. But as far as how good the Nets be, they will be NBA championship contenders easily. Kevin Durant, when healthy, I believe, is the best player in the NBA. Uh, you can argue for Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron, or Anthony Davis, but 
in my eye, Kevin Durant, when fully healthy, is easily the best, not easily, but debatably or arguably the best player in the NBA. Now, moving on, we're now we're going to be talking about the man John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, this man, I'm, just, I'm in love with his game. I love what he does. I love his play style, the ball handling, the, the shot making. When he first started off you know, his rookie season, he was a little bit cold from three. He was shooting, like I think, in the low 30s at one point. Or maybe even the high 20s. I can't remember off the top of my head because obviously that was a while ago. But, you know, he was sort of having a slump from three. He was still scoring about 16, 15 points per game. But now he's really taken off. He's added it. You know, his shot is there now. You know, he's just a I love his attitude. He's clutch. You know, the clutch block on Kyrie, the game winner against the same team. I mean, he's just the truth, man. He has great ball handling. He has a great feel for the game. He's not super ball dominant or, you know, a ball hog, so to speak. You know, he's been, his play style is kind of similar to Allen Iverson, but a better jump shooter. Now, I'm not saying he'll ever be Allen Iverson, but I'm talking about in terms of play style. You know what I mean? It's definitely there. You know, you got people like Tony Allen, who was one of the greatest defenders ever, who is retired now. But he also loves his game a lot. And this kid, you know, he's only 19, 20 years old. But, you know, he's really electrifying. And now the Grizzlies are the eighth seed in the playoffs. And you know what? This man is the truth. You know, he can do it all. You know, before the season started, you know, in the interview, he said he's a point god. And... I expect big things, to be honest with you. I, as far as him versus Zion Williams, you know, Williamson, I said Williams, who's a better basketball player? For me, it's John Morant. John Morant has real basketball skills. He has a great handle. He has good moves, solid footwork. You know, the jump shot is there. Zion is too raw for me right now. He's more of an athlete, a leaper, a dunker. He's not really, there's no real skill set yet to his game. Something that he can rely upon with athleticism doesn't, doesn't work because there's going to be times in the playoffs or things of that nature where you need more than athleticism. You need a skill set. You need to be able to post up. You need to be able to dribble, you know, make your own, create your own shot, create space for a jump shot. And so far, obviously, Zion doesn't do that yet. Now, he is a 6'6", extremely strong and explosive power forward. Uh, I believe he's a power forward. I think that's what they have him listed as. But he needs to develop a jump shot. A consistent jump shot. He's not a terrible shooter by any means, but, you know, if he can get up to like 36% or maybe 35% from three, he'll have an excellent career ahead of him. But, you know, to reiterate, who would I take, John Morant or Zion? I think John Morant is that man. And he's easily the rookie of the year for this season, mostly because, you know, Zion came in late. But you know, even then, I would still say John Morant is just a better basketball player. But only time will tell at the end of the day. As far as playoff predictions, you know, next topic, playoffs. Look, I mean... The East and the West, in the East, we got the Milwaukee Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, the Heat. Those are the true four best teams in the Eastern Conference. And then out West, you got the Clippers, you got Utah, you got the Jazz. I mean, Utah, the Jazz, they're the same team. You got the Clippers, you got the Jazz, you got the Rockets, you got the Lakers. And, you know, as far as who's going to get into the NBA Finals, who's really going to get there, uh, I would probably side with the Los Angeles Clippers, to be honest with you. I think... Their depth, you know, Lou Will, Montrez cut off the bench. They picked up Marcus Morris at the trade deadline. And I just think they're a better basketball team than the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, granted, they might struggle against them because they, doesn't, they don't really have any true rim protection. And <laughs> you may as well change the Lakers' name to the Los Angeles Rim Protectors. I mean, they got AD, they got JaVale, they got Dwight. I mean, pretty much, if you look at the Lakers, they're the opposite of the Clippers. You know, the Lakers are great interior defenders. But not too great on the you know perimeter defensive side, but then the Clippers they're great on the perimeter you know the perimeter defense, but they're not too great in the interior. So you know they kind of flipped on that area. But I do think the Clippers are the better team now. Obviously they're two and zero in the season series against them, and obviously that's just regular season. But still we can't just completely overlook that. 
So I would say, you know, out west, the Clippers are definitely going to make the finals. Uh, the Rockets have made some moves. The Jazz have made some moves. But I don't see them being able to beat or match either one of these teams. And the Western Conference Finals is going to be the Lakers versus Clippers. And I would say the, Cl- the Clippers would win in about six, seven games. Uh, as far as out east, I mean, come on now. It's Milwaukee's world. It's Giannis's world. The team has the best record in the NBA. They have, I believe, 46 wins, 47 wins. And Giannis is just doing everything for this basketball team. He's, he's leading them in points, scoring, and assists. He's playing elite defense. I mean, come on. I mean, what more could you ask for this, man? He's improved on his jump shot. They're definitely going to be making it to the NBA Finals. I don't see a team that can beat them. The Sixers has fallen off a mountain. They're the sixth seed currently as of this recording. And, look, I mean, as far as the Easter Conference Finals, I predict that it'll be the Bucks and the Heat. The Heat are playing real great basketball. They picked up Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala, Andre Iguodala at the trade deadline. And look, they're just loaded with perimeter, perimeter defenders. They got Jimmy Buckets, who's easily one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. They got Iguodala, who's a proven perimeter defender and a proven veteran, a proven playoff player. You know, he's been to the playoffs many times. He's a three-time champion. And he's just a proven vet, a savvy, smart basketball player. And then you pick up somebody like Jay Crowder, who's also a great defender. And that team is just going to be very solid. So I'm very happy and excited to see how the Eastern Conference playoffs shows out. Because, to be honest, it's been kind of boring over the last few years. You know what I mean? So now that the East is actually kind of top-heavy and actually kind of good, and not top-heavy as in just one or two teams, but top-heavy in terms of just there's actually a uh, the top four teams are actually very good. Now, like I said before, though, I think the Bucks are going to be making it to the finals. And I had the Bucks versus the Clippers in the NBA Finals. And in that series, I'm going to go with the Clippers in six. I would say the Clippers are going to be the NBA championships. And as of this recording, that's my playoff predictions. I think the Clippers are going to be the NBA champions by the end of this season. They're going to be holding up the crown. Now, moving on, how good will the Warriors be next season? Because obviously, Clay was missed most of the season. I'm not sure if he's actually returning. Uh, Steph broke his hand, and I'm not sure when he's returning. And, you know, they traded away KD. They traded away D'Lo uh, at the trade deadline for Andrew Wiggins. They still got Draymond. And, look, I think this team is going to be still is going to make noise next year. You got Steph coming back. You got Clay coming back. You added Andrew Wiggins. You got Draymond. I mean, they pretty much got the same starting five as before. They just took out KD and added in Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is still a solid basketball player. Now, he hasn't improved and, you know, projected the way he was supposed to. But he can still give you, sorry about that. I had to clear my throat. He can still give you about 20 points per game. You know what I mean? So I think this team will be solid. I think they can easily be a top four seed in the West next year. And I think they can make a deep playoff run, maybe a second, maybe maybe a second round exit. I don't think they will make it all the way to the conference finals, but a second, a tough out, you know, for any team. Uh, Steph is just that great. He might erupt next year, have a 2016 MVP type season. Well, only time will tell. But that's how I feel about the Warriors. Next up, we're going to be talking about Ben Simmons. And honestly, look, I think the Sixers are better off just moving on from him or Embiid, one of the two. I don't think this this little experiment, you know, the trust the process thing is working. They fall into the sixth seed, and I just don't see how Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are going to fit. Look, when Joel, when Joel Embiid has the ball, Ben Simmons is pretty much useless. He can't shoot at all. You know, he's been we've been teased about him improving his jump shot for years now since 2017, and it just hasn't happened. He's still a pathetic free throw shooter. You know, he's shooting about 60% from the free throw line, so you don't, you don't even really want him late in games. Yeah, he's a solid defender for sure. He's a great playmaker, especially in transition. But as far as him being that guy, I just don't really see it. And I, I just, I don't think he's too serious about his craft. You know, he hasn't really improved as a basketball player in any season. You know, he hasn't. He's not much better now than he was as a rookie. 
you know, we haven't seen that jump. You know, we were, we were talking about him as if he was the next Magic Johnson or LeBron, for crying out loud. And that definitely has not happened. So as far as you know, how I feel about Ben Simmons and the hype that's going on around him, I just truly don't see it. He's a solid defender. He's a great playmaker, but not nothing much more than that. Obviously, he's great finishing at the rim, but I need to see more. I need to see some type of jump shot. And I'm not saying you got to shoot threes, but at least be able to take at least be able to take them. Sorry about the little break right there. But um, that's how I feel about Ben Simmons. Now, moving on to Houston's small ball lineup. The thing about Houston is, you know, they traded away Clint Capella at the trade deadline. And now they're just playing this super small ball lineup that we haven't seen since, like, the damn 70s. And I'm not sure how I feel about it, honestly. I mean, it worked out. They beat the Lakers the first game. But then after that, I mean, I believe they're 0-2 since then. And I just, honestly, I don't see how it's going to work. I don't see how it's going to be effective in the postseason, especially when you play the Lakers in the seven-game series if they do match up with them. I just don't see how this works out. They didn't play a player over six foot seven in the first game. And they had P.J. Tucker at center. I just don't see it working out. And the NBA, no matter, you know, no matter what analytics tries to tell you, you need a big man who can dominate and rebound the basketball and, and block shots. And, you know, the Rockets just simply don't have that. So that's where I am with the Houston Rockets. And finally, how good are the Miami Heat? Like I said earlier, they made big moves at the trade deadline. They acquired... Iguodala and Jay Crowder at the trade deadline for Justice Winslow, who I at first I actually thought it was a bad trade. But when you realize that they got both of those players, you know, Iggy and Jay Crowder, I I kind of feel a little bit different about it now. I mean, I honestly think they would have been fine keeping Justice because he's a young player who definitely has a lot of potential. But, you know, I guess the Heat are in win now mode and you know Iggy who's a proven veteran and you got Jay Crowder who's also a veteran. I think it's a good move, and I think the Heat are going to be the second. I still think the Heat are the second-best team in the Eastern Conference, and I think the Heat will make it to the Eastern Conference playoffs or Eastern Conference finals. And that's pretty much all I have for you guys today. That was Hoops Cast Episode 2. Make sure you guys follow me on Instagram at NBA1.hoops. Follow me on Twitter at NBA1hoops. Instagram, I mean, I already said Instagram. YouTube at NBA1hoops and Spotify at NBA1hoops. That's pretty much all I have for you guys. Hope you're having a great day, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.